0: It really is a joy to gather together as a saint. I, I don't know how much we take this for granted, uh, but what a privilege it is to gather together. Uh, so you guys know next week we'll be kicking off Philippians for the summer. Uh, and so we're excited about that as we're going to look at what it looks like to have joy in all circumstances as we look at what does it look like to have this community embody life. But this morning... Uh, we're going to take some time to look at one of the really significant themes found throughout scripture, and we're going to look at the theme of shalom today, and how it's connected to justice. But before we dive into that, I want to explain why we're, why we're doing this and kind of what some of the goal is. Uh, over, We had an incredible group of folks get together uh, and, and be a part of a racial reconciliation learning group. The whole goal was to learn, was to grow, was to understand. And in that, part of the desire was to say like, okay, how do we fit here in Camarillo and engaging with God and serving the least of these and caring? What is God's heart for some of these areas? And this morning, I just want you to know, we're not diving into, we're not going to be talking explicitly about racial reconciliation, we're not talking about Uh, Every injustice that exists in the world, we're specifically going to be talking about the theme of shalom because as we understand God's shalom, I believe we understand the need and importance of justice. But I also want to share with you guys a little bit up front, and part of this is a, a confession. I don't know how to say this well. Um, I guess one of the things I want to say is that I'm really tired of feeling like there's certain topics that we're not allowed to talk about in church. I'm really tired that we feel like certain things are, no, 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 don't touch that one. There's a myriad of ones that I could bring up right now that you would be like, if he started talking about this, I might leave, you know, Maybe, for example, guns, or maybe, for example, race, or maybe, for example, fill in the blank. There are a number of things that we could say, and like, we get triggered so fast. And yet we are a part of a a community of people of God who say, look, there's nothing secular and sacred, like, all of our life belongs to him. And yet we protect ourselves, and we siphon ourselves off, and we section ourselves off to say, but there are certain things that we just don't talk about. And friends, I just want to say, I don't want to be a church like that. I want to be an honest people who submit ourselves to the will of God and to know that there's difference of opinion. And that's okay. That is totally, totally okay. But I just want you to know, I feel like there's been moments and times, especially over the last three years, where I've been a bit of a coward. I've been afraid to talk about certain things. I wish I could tell you that wasn't the case. But it's true. Sometimes I'm afraid of what it might cost. I'm a people pleaser. You guys, if you've been with us for a while, you know that I have a ten- I, I like really love people. That's why I'm in this space, which is really hard sometimes. But I want to make sure that as we continue to grow as a church, that we are a people who are honest, and that we are a people who rest in the truth of God's word, for it is useful for all things in all areas of life. And so this morning, even though we're not going to delve deep into some of these issues that maybe you're like, I would actually really like to talk about it, hopefully this morning will be a bit of a conversation starter for us. Because the last thing I'd ever want for us as a church is to engage with justice, but have no idea why. The last thing I'd want for us to... Be as the church is the church that makes people feel guilty for not doing X, Y, or Z. That's not the gospel. But there is a story that has been written and a story that is being written and a story that will increase that involves the shalom of God filling the earth. And one day there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more division, there will be no more racism, there will be no more sickness. That day is coming. And hopefully, by God's grace, we can be a people who start to live tomorrow today. Meaning trusting that the promises of what will eventually be one day, as the people of God, we actually, by God's grace and what Jesus accomplished on the cross, we can actually begin to step into many of that right here, right now. We don't have to start doing that once the eternal state begins. We can start now. So this is one of the reasons I think talking about shalom is important for us today. It's one of the most significant themes in scripture. It's an interesting word. Again, in, in Greek, it's and In Hebrew, it's shalom. Our English translation is peace. There are more than 300 references to shalom or peace throughout scripture for reference, that's a hundred more times than the word justice or mishpat. By the way, if you were hoping that I would talk more about justice, there was a sermon on that from Micah 6, 8 last summer that you're more than welcome to go back to. But almost every commentator will tell you in English we don't have a good word for shalom. It's a, it's a, it's a complex word with many different greetings many di- or many different meanings. Ten percent of the time in in, the, in scripture, it's used basically as a greeting, shalom. It's like, kind of like how maybe people in Hawaii would say, what do they say? Hello, thank you. <laughs> I, was, I was all tracking, and then I looked at my dad who lived there, and I'm like, what do they say? Am I going to say the wrong thing? <laughs> but I will say that from the beginning, shalom has always cared more weight than hello. It's a blessing. It's actually a blessing. That's a prayer. Because within shalom, the, the best definition that we have is wholeness or flourishing. And so as people would greet one another and say shalom, the, the goal would be, would you flourish? Or somebody might use, think through like, you know, would the Lord bless you and keep you? It's the same concept and idea. One of our best definitions for shalom, it's wholeness or flourishing. Where nothing is lacking and nothing is broken. Or in John's language, abundant life. So normally I'd say as we're diving into this, let's start at the beginning. Let's go to the garden and look at kind of this picture of Shalom and we'll get there. But I actually want to start with Jesus today. I want to start with some words that are going to be familiar to us from John 14 and then in John 20. As Jesus in John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death and ascension. He's not going to be physically present anymore. And he tells them that he's going to give them two things. Right be, well, he tells them in the verse I read, he just tells you that he's going to give them peace. But right before that, it's in a section where he's talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you the Holy Spirit, the helper. You are going to have I reign a wholeness, the Holy Spirit also with you. You will not be lacking anything. You will have my peace and my presence through the Spirit, but not me physically. Jesus also infers here, peace I live with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give to you. What I want us to see is that even 2,000 years ago, the world is offering alternative options for peace, for flourishing, for the good life. I don't know about you. Are there any alternative offerings right now in our culture for the good life, for flourishing? What are some of the other alternatives? What's out there? If you do this, then you'll flourish. What do people say? What do you think? Therapy. Therapy. Great. Investments, sure. Yeah, you only live once. Go for it. It's all about you. How about the most important thing in life, the really only truly way to flourish in life is if you are truly authentic. That's nowhere in our culture. Self-care. This is how you flourish. You got to take time out for yourself. Medication. Yeah. Numbing. Yeah, there's all of these things. All, here are all of these offerings. But Jesus says, I give not as the world gives. Because the shalom, as we're going to see here, that he offers is not one that will let you down. It is not one that is fleeting. It is not one that will go away. For a couple chapters later, Jesus, who has just been crucified, now appears to his disciples. What some people view as the church, uh, the very first church gathering in this moment in John 20. As John clearly identifies the first day of the week, which would draw a reader's attention back to the creation account, which again we'll touch on. But in John 29 through 23, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And then, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And here goes, Jesus goes beyond a cursory greeting of shalom. This isn't just, Oh, hey, guys. Some commentators argue that just as declarative and emphatic as it is finished is on the cross, so to hear when Jesus says peace to you back to back, Jesus is declaring peace is here. And guess what? Peace was purchased. And it's not going away. Once again, We see this. He reminds them of peace. He commissions them that just as the Father has sent us, now they, now we are being sent out, carrying the shalom and peace of God with us wherever we go. But once again, just like in John 14, we're not alone. We have the Spirit who is given to us. And in verse 23, we get an expansion because we get some help with what's going to happen as shalom is going to be faced with sin. In verse 23, Jesus reminds us that what we forgive will be forgiven, and what is withheld will be withheld. Because of Jesus' death, now when sin enters and tries to break down shalom, we're actually able to forgive one another, and shalom can be permanently and eternally restored. And so here in these few verses, as we get started This peace is personal between me and God. It's corporate for the people of God, and it's imperative for the mission of God. We'll come back to this in a few minutes. Now let's jump to the garden, as John alluded to in his gospel account as he highlighted in their mind. It was the first day of the week. We walked through this when we were in John. John is reminding them, this is a new creation. A new creation has come. New covenant has come. We are entering into a new period. And so we're going to look at what did Shalom look like in the garden at the beginning. And we see this primarily, you can see the beginning of Shalom just with creation itself and the harmony in which it exists. And then it comes into the great or the first commission in Genesis 1:26 through 31, then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. In chapter 2 of Genesis, we see something very similar. We see the good world that the Lord had created, and here we get some really pretty and beautiful imagery of these massive flowing streams, the water of life. We get to see all all of these resources, onyx and gold that are within the earth, Everything, what, and, and then we also get to see this, the picture of the need for community as it's not good for man to be alone. And we have our first wedding as Adam and Eve come together and they were both naked and unashamed. Here before any sin enters the world, we get the first picture of shalom and human flourishing. Which involves an internal and a social state. And what does God say about this state? About this creation, what is it? It's very good. It's awesome. Nothing is broken. Nothing is lacking. You see that description of the of the fields and all that God had provided? We spend so much time in Genesis 1 through 3 because in it we see God's intention, God's heart, God's desire. And in it we see, whoa, mankind was made to flourish. Not by themselves, not even just them and God. They were made to flourish together to co-rule humanity with God and with each other. But of course, not long after this, we have the breaking of that shalom, when sin and injustice enters the world. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve decide to stop trusting God and trust the words of a serpent instead, maybe just, again, put it in your brain, think about it, Uh, you can discuss people later, but notice that shalom wasn't broken because the serpent was there. Shalom was broken because Adam and Eve disobeyed. As they do, their eyes are open and they are ashamed. The shalom of God was fractured. The ability for mankind to thrive as designed had now hit a major road bump. Guilt and shame enter Adam and Eve cover. They hide from the very one who made them. And now as a result of of sin as a result of injustice and as a result of disobedience, death, pain, challenging relationships between male and female are birthed. However, in Genesis 3.15, we do see a promise of a solution, the proto-evangelium evangelium, evangelium. Uh, the promise, the pre-gospel that one will come from the seed of the woman. The Shalom story continues. It's God motivated by love, desires for his creation to flourish, to experience his Shalom. And there isn't experiencing Shalom without being connected to God, by the way. He's the giver of it. He's the source of it. It's like our abiding series. And so we can see the picture of Shalom being, again, further developed or the theme of it developed even in the calling of Abram, I will bless you to be a blessing, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you would be a blessing and in you and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. God has a desire for all the earth to experience his goodness, his shalom. and all humanity, no matter who you are or where you've come from, you have an innate desire for the flourishing life. It's one of the reasons there's so many counterfeits out there. It's because at the core, all of who doesn't want to, like, my goal in life is just not to flourish. Like, no, nobody, that's nobody's goal, and it shouldn't be. You're made in the image of God, who is a flourishing God, the source of shalom. Maybe important for us just for a quick second to remind ourselves that maybe what we might think about to be flourishing in 2022 may not exactly be what God has in mind for flourishing, which is why we go to the garden, because what takes place in the garden is a good picture of what the flourishing life in any context is called to look like. And there might be some things in there that are surprising. Some of you may not like like the fact that the flourishing life includes work. The flourishing life includes gardening. It includes multiplying, filling the earth. It includes partnering with others. It includes, importantly, most importantly, partnering with Yahweh. And the shalom of God is possible to experience in any stage of life. But if we're to understand shalom and if we're to begin to understand perhaps where God is leading us as the people of God, we have to have a good picture of what the flourishing life that God created looked like. Unless we think, of course, we just have no responsibility in it. We could spend all our gathering talking about all the uses of shalom In the Old Testament, since there's over 230 verses that speak to it, I want to move us along to one of our favorite Christmas passages. In Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, as Isaiah prophesies about Jesus. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called. You can't do this without like the, it's just, Goes off. I want to sing it, but I won't. Uh, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Jesus is this prince of peace. He is the prince of shalom. He's the ultimate one who will come and make shalom possible for all who believe. Not surprising and, of course, intentional by God when the angels appear in Luke 2. What do they cry out? Glory to God in the highest and peace on where earth with whom he is well pleased. How will this peace be upheld? Isaiah tells us with justice and righteousness. Hopefully there's some things that are starting to click with us as we started talking about Jesus and how Jesus declares, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Isaiah declares the Messiah will be the prince of peace. Jesus is the Messiah, and he says, of the increase of his government or kingdom and of peace, there will be no end. Like it won't stop. It will be ever increasing. And now through Jesus' life, death, resurrection, impartation, the giving of His Spirit, and ascension, His shalom is here to stay and forever increase. I don't know that we believe that. How has how has God designed his shalom? Or and here things start getting a little bit blurry because his shalom or his peace, it's very simple. We have terms in the New Testament where it's, it's like the kingdom of peace, the kingdom of God. These things are tied together. How has he designed it to increase? It's through his people, through his church, his redeemed those who have been rescued out of the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. It's not apart from him, it's for him, it's with him, for he's made his dwelling with us. That's what we're trying to get at. I want us to understand that once you and I, we were enemies of God, we were hostile to him, and now we have been brought to peace through Jesus. We have been made right with him. This is that, that personal side. And together, as one people, we now get to be carriers of God's shalom with us wherever we go. I'll say specifically right here in Camarillo. If I can do one little aside, I I just, we have, again, we've talked about it a lot. We have like eternity in our pockets. We can care about a gazillion things all around the planet, and I'm not, I, the last thing I want to do is to like, tell people not to care. But what I do want us to understand is that when Jesus says, my peace I give to you, like he's giving his presence. To carry the peace of God means that we give our presence, which includes God because he dwells within us, to others. We cannot bring the peace of God disembodied. We need to be an embodied people who bring the shalom of God with us wherever we go. But I would love for you to think. And again, part of this morning is it's just a it's a conversation starter hopefully to open our eyes to the theme of peace and God's shalom throughout the scripture. But one of my hopes for us is that perhaps we might start to begin to dream what would it look like if God shalom reigned in my classroom? What would it look like if God shalom reigned in my home? What would it look like if God shalom reigned reigned at Bob Kildee Park. Because where the shalom of God is, so is his justice. Okay. A couple more minutes here. I mentioned before that God's peace and shalom has many effects, and we use up, in, and out to describe the components that are necessary to be healthy disciples of Jesus. And, and the shalom that God brings also engages those space. We, our vertical relationship with God, we have been made right with him. Uh, Romans 5, 5-1, there, one, one, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. We have been made right with God. The most important part of shalom is being restored into right relationship with God, hands down. This is the most important piece to shalom. We are restored rightly with God. That's huge. And I think we lose sight of this regularly. This is the best and most important piece, is that we're reconciled to God. We're no longer enemies, but personally secure, safe, and at peace, all because Jesus truly died on the cross And now we get to become and grow and being in this beautiful reality. But God's shalom is more than just personal. I don't know how much I need shalom if I'm not around other people. I mean, that's not entirely true today. A lot of us are not at shalom even with ourselves, which God's peace does bring. But we're called to an inward shalom between spiritual family members, the body of Christ, where we can live peaceably with all people to the best of our ability, where we can carry one another's burdens, where we can experience belonging with people who are very different than ourselves, where we are a body like Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, where every single member matters. We're all different, but we are one body. Where Peter tells us to earnestly pursue the peace, We need God's shalom to reign between us. Colossians tells us in Colossians 3 to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And that all has to do with engaging with one another. And Jesus, when He tells us that He's given us our peace, He's also telling us that we're able to forgive one another because we're going to need it. Because in a family, guess what? We hurt one another. And although my personal shalom with God can never be affected, it is done. Jesus has declared it. It is what is true of me from now until eternity. I am at peace with God. Our horizontal shalom can be affected and is affected by sin. Which is why we must forgive one another. Not pretend. Own it. Repent from it. Turn from it. Because, friends, we, as First Peter tells us, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, not multiple individual peoples. We are a people. We are his people. We belong to him that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What are these excellencies that we get to declare about God? That in him there is the most flourishing life possible. In him we have the forgiveness of sins. In him we actually have the resources, like in the garden, to flourish. How? Through the community of God, actually. Because we no longer see ourselves as individuals anymore. We see us as a people who belong to him. I do believe this is, even though I'm so grateful, I, I mean, we have this thing called family time that we do on Sunday mornings, where, like we already just participated in, where we get to say hi to one another, and I believe that we are called to be family. Absolutely. But there is more to it. There's over sixty one one another's, 59 one another's in Scripture talk about what it looks like to be this family of God. And I think many of us perhaps are not experiencing the shalom, the flourishing that God has available to us because we've bought into, bought isn't a word, bought into the lie that Christianity is primarily about me and Jesus and my moral standing. The gospel is more comprehensive than that. And so much better. Because one day, every tongue, tribe, and nation is going to gather and worship the king, bow before the lamb. And we as a people now, people of his own possession now, we get the opportunity to live the future today. Again, by God's grace, it's not I'm not like some, any full kingdom person, whatever. Like the kingdom has been inaugurated. One day, the shalom of God will reign supreme and everything will be wiped clean. But in the family of God, as the people who sit under Jesus as king, there is shalom that is here. It's available And it's personal and it's social. It's in my upward relationship. I am secure in Jesus. I may not be comfortable all the time, but I am secure in him. I'm a part of a family who cares deeply for one another. And when injustice takes place within our family, we don't stay quiet. We step in and we say, this is not God's heart. But praise God that when we do sin, we have an advocate whose name is Jesus and we can go to him and confess and repent and turn to him together. And in so, what happens when that takes place? Shalom. Flourishing. But remember, there are alternative views to the flourishing life in our world. Jesus warns them, about them in the parable of the sowers. How some are drawn away by the cares and pleasures of this world. We must be vigilant, friends. Vigilant. My words are all over the place. So we have upward shalom, inward shalom, and outward shalom. The people of God are to be a visible community of God's shalom. Let us be a part of the prophecy of Isaiah 9. Where the kingdom will have no end. Where his peace will have no end. The peace is to be expanded throughout all of the earth. And, And though that is great, that is what God is going to do. Right now we are placed here in Camarillo. What does it look like for us to be a visible peace Here, like jesus says in matthew 16 in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven what does it look like for us to look for opportunities of god shalom to be extended to the least of these in our communities God's shalom isn't for us to hoard. It's for us to carry, to practice, and to bring with us wherever we go. So it's time to wrap up. why did we go this way to talk about the peace of God? I think the first thing is we we can't give what we don't have. I don't know what your stance is before God. I don't know if you believe that you are at peace with him. The way we are at peace with him is by confessing with our mouth. Believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and we will be saved. His work on the cross will be counted for you. That God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God. Or literally that we would do the righteous deeds of God. That we would do rightly as God's people. I believe that if we experience, taste, the goodness of God shalom, it is not just an idea. I think for so many of us, it lives in such an ethereal space. It's just an idea. It's something that eventually will happen. Jesus told his disciples as he's leaving, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. And it's not some loose loosey-goosey, like, like, cool idea. It is like, no, look, I purchased it. See, my hands and my feet, and this piece is, yes, you need to know that no matter what you face, you and I are right, but also, you are now carrying the shalom of God with you wherever you go, where we can live tomorrow, today. I know I didn't get a ton into injustice and injustice and, justice and this is the beginning of a conversation, and worship team, you guys can come up. But one of the things that has so been on my heart as I've been preparing is uh, I think sometimes we think injustice is like big, massive things, and it is. Racism, these murders, um, the, the school violence, school shootings, um, uh, war, uh, hate crimes, uh, bigotry, um, Whatever, there are massive issues of injustice that do exist. And sometimes we do a good job pointing out like those things, but I think one of the things that God has been compelling me towards is, what are the injustices that exist in your own home? Remember, justice is where injustice is where sin is. How much would Camarillo be transformed? How much would your family be transformed? Would we be transformed together if we continue to daily step into the shalom, the flourishing life that God has for us? And I know that many in this room, your family life, you're like, yeah, there is no shalom there. There is no peace there. Or maybe there's no peace internally. And this is where we get to grab onto God tightly like Jacob and say, God, you promised you said peace. You said that there would be flourishing. Again, our flourishing and God's view of flourishing, they're not always the same thing. But I believe that we can come to our God and we can come to one another and say, There is no flourishing right now in my home. There, the shalom is not there. Things are breaking down, and together we can step in. You can step in. We can grab the Word of God. And apply it to our lives and see victory and see God's shalom present. If we want to take God's shalom to this world, if we want to be carriers of peace, we've got to continually grow in God's peace in our own lives. And I think that just the the last pieces. We do, we have our up, we have our in, we have our out. Would our hearts break for the injustice that does, that exists in our world? I praise God. I I think of something as simple as Lucas for, he's like, oh dear. Uh, Lucas, for like at least two or three years, we would have conversations, and this is my fault because he's my son, um, uh, about death. He was really scared about death. He was, he was like, w- what's going to happen? How are we going to go about it? How do we know? And, I, and this is so small, you guys, but the fact that I got to tell him that we are at peace with Jesus and that we do not have to fear, that we can trust because of his finished work, that no matter what may happen to my earthly body, we will live forever with him. And the peace of God comes in. And, and why am I sharing this? Because this world doesn't know the peace of God. They can't even answer that question. Would our hearts begin to break for those who do not know God? Shalom. And if we don't care, we won't act. And if we haven't tasted, we probably won't care. And would we grow together, friends, in this journey of growing as a disciple of Jesus right here, right now.